Hey y'all, what is going on? What is going on? It's your girl, Melba Pearson, Melba for Miami, Melba for Justice, also known as the resident legal diva. And it is time for another Mondays with Melba. So it is February, it is Black History Month, and all month we are featuring a variety of black owned businesses so that number one, when it comes time for you to hire someone, or if you're thinking about different businesses that you're involved in, if you see a way to be able to fit these entrepreneurs in, please feel free to do so. And of course, it's all about putting your money where your mouth is, right? Because I mean, to be blunt, we all saw after George Floyd, so many different corporations posting a black square on their social media and saying, but we're woke. And it's like, but did you change up your board to make sure that you have more diversity involved? What have you done to bring in clients that are diverse? What have you done to diversify your staff and give them meaningful roles, not just trot them out when it comes time to be like, look, we've got diversity, and then they're never seen again or never given any relevant work. So this is a way to make sure y'all are empowered, because I know this doesn't apply to anybody who's watching now, but this is just to make sure that y'all are empowered. So if you're in these spaces and you're like, wait a minute, I know about this great marketing guru, and he happens to be a person of color, let me hit him up. Or you know, I know this other great outlet that we should probably check out and use in terms of media buying dollars. So these are all things for y'all to consider. So my guest today is a dear friend of mine, Mike Hall, um, who I met on the campaign trail, and he was the one responsible for all those fabulous graphics that you have, may have seen on my various platforms and continues to work with me to this day. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me in this. Um... You touched on so many points. I guess the first thing I need to ask is how much time we got now? 30 <laughs> minutes or an hour? <laughs> We're going to make it work. We're going to make it do what it you, do. You put a lot on the table, a lot of stuff to be addressed uh, immediately. Um, but thank you for having me. And I'm so glad that you stuck with it. I'm so glad you continue your show. We need more voices like yours in the community because a lot of people just don't speak out on issues that are uncomfortable. And a lot of people just don't have a voice where they communicate it without, without it being profitable or without it being popularity. And um, sometimes we have to learn how to touch the smaller, intricate areas of our community to really make a difference because it's the things we don't see that are making a change versus the things that are always seen that are actually doing nothing. Just like you said, with the George Floyd, the Black Square, and all these uh, empty, empty promises that are now coming up to show just how empty they were. Yeah. So that's why I say you said a lot. So I don't even like we could talk about my company almost another day. You just got me. <laughs> <laughs> like we got a whole nother show we can do. Um, and, yeah, and, and listen, you know, I do, I do repeats. I do part two. So I'm all about that. So, Absolutely. and of course now we have the death of Tyree Nichols and, you know, as I've touched on in previous episodes, if you didn't watch the video, you don't have to. I have not. I've chosen not to mm -hmm. until I actually have to comment on the trial. But this is just another time to, you know, now that there's renewed focus around maybe we're going to do a police reform bill in Congress. Maybe we won't. We'll see. But just sort of to revisit the promises that were made after George Floyd and where we are now and 
this is another time to do that inventory and be like, you know what? We talked a lot about racial justice in 2020. We have not done as much as we'd like to. Here's right. another opportunity to check in and do, you know, something meaningful. So just to kind of pivot into, you know, to you, can you talk a little bit about your background, your history and the kind of work that you do? Actually, um, everything you're talking about, what most people probably don't know is my background and is really the history of Medium 4. Um, I guess I'm known in two different fronts. On one side, people, most people don't know me for Medium 4. Most people in South Florida know us for Digital Grass, which was Digital Grass Innovation and Technology. And that was the diversity inclusion work that we did in South Florida for getting more black people and primarily black people because South Florida is very much Hispanic ran and uh, Hispanic uh, dominant, but it was to get more black people involved into the tech and innovation scene. But the other side of my life is really the 17 year business is medium four and medium four is a small energy uh, marketing design agency, small energy where I say, cause we're boutique, we're very focused boutique agency is just myself and my business partner, Dante Filia. And one of the biggest things that makes the topics you brought up so relevant because Parks and Crump, which is now primarily just known as Ben Crump, Parks and Crump was our client. And most of the 85% of the marketing, the design and the work that you saw for Justice for Trayvon Martin was done by our agency. So we were actually managing their website at the time. And we were, I don't want to say one of the leaders, but we were in the forefront of taking news articles, placing them onto their website, and then posting the news articles onto social media to lead people back to the news. Uh, that was before CNN was really doing it themselves or any MSNBC. You know, we were leading people to the websites to keep the updates with what's going on. So being a part of that movement, you know, one of the hardest things was trying to run a business while trying to also be a young black man at the same time, because I was only 33 years old at the time. So, you know, we're sitting there with Russell Simmons, Michael, Michael Smolnik from um, Def Jam and also was working with Rush and sitting there with Parks and Crump. And I remember being a 33 year old possibility of being an executive director of that agents of that foundation and having to tell them, you know, you should position yourself to just be trust justice trademark. Uh, unfortunately, your, your son's legacy won't last too long because the way the news is looking and the data we've pulled, this is going to happen in six months and there'll be something else to talk about. And uh, that was a very hard thing to say, but it was just one of those things you're looking at marketing versus the emotional stress and the trauma that a, a mother and father were going through by losing their baby. Um, and that was real hard to do, but it's even harder now kind of talking about it because of like what you said, it continues to happen. And some people have heard the promises for two or three years because they may have tapped in then. Some people may have tapped in six or seven years ago, but I've been tapped in ever since I was born, growing up in Bruton, Alabama, living in the country and seeing my father work with co-op and 8A certifications and just trying to get the government to do right. Um, you, you grow up in this lifestyle. I didn't even know it was a, a trend. I didn't even know about diversity and inclusion. We knew it as co-op. We knew it as an opportunity. But when you try to transition from one world is actually rewarded for diversity and inclusion, which is the federal government, versus another world uses diversity and inclusion as a tool for popularity. Um, my, my body was going through exactly what my mind is going through as a Gemini. It was a conflict. And I had to make a real big decision. Do I want to continue to work in this world of technology or what can I do to make a change? And that's kind of when I went through a divorce and date process. 
um, where I kind of stepped away from tech and went really heavy back into our marketing agency. So what, what would you say are the biggest challenges to Black folks in the tech space? And especially, I know you've been really um, present here in the tech community and really advocating around, you know, through the use of your podcast, through being on different panels and all of that. You know, what's sort of the tech space like for, for people of color? Um, funding and emotional intelligence would be the hardest space. And I say funding for primary reasons. You know, you can only get so far when someone else has the immense amount of cash to come in and steal your idea and execute it to a higher level just because they have resources. Uh, we were having this conversation last night um, in Richmond, Virginia right now, but we were having this conversation last night. And the premise of the conversation was who's actually the better artist, you know, Michael Jackson or Prince. Both of them had talent. Both of them had his. One had a vision and could play limited uh, instruments and still needed a producer. He needed Quincy Jones. He needed that top level machine. The other one did everything from the beginning to the end. His own record label, his own production. He played 27 instruments on his first album. So that's kind of how I feel this world is right now. We have a lot of princes that will never get seen, but we also have a lot of Michael Jackson's, but they never get the funding or they never get the support behind them to make it happen. So that's the first thing. The second thing is emotional intelligence, because you don't understand unless you take the time to understand. And a lot of people think they understand, but you can't understand being black until you really sit down and empathize with somebody that is black. Uh, you can't understand what it feels like. Like, I can't understand what a woman goes through when I can actually see her have a better idea than someone and just be overlooked simply because she's a woman. I can't understand that. But I can't understand being a black man and having an idea taken from me. And it sounds better just because somebody of a different skin tone presented it versus me. And uh, I think there's a different level of empathy and mental wellness that we haven't tapped into that really will have to shake this industry because some people think they're doing a lot and simply they're just not doing enough. We, we're not doing enough to make change. We're doing enough to make things look cool, but we're not really making the changes that need to be made. Well, what changes do you think need to be made? Like what, what are some like low hanging fruit that, you know, could be addressed and that would allow more people of color to get into the tech space? You have to simply realize most people aren't going to give you the money you're looking for. You're you're trying to go into a field. Diversity inclusion and the aspect of getting money is simplified of this as much people as I might piss off that's going to see this. You're convincing somebody rich of how to spend their money with no consequences, whether they do it or they don't. Summarize it however you want to. Now, on the other side, when you're 8A certified, the federal government has mandated a certain amount of money they have to spend with Black-owned and disadvantaged companies. Mm -hmm. Now, to most people, that may not sound like much, but some of these people have billion-dollar funds or whatever, right? And they're right now given 1%, 1.8%. I think it might have dropped down to one6 to 1.5 this year is going to black owned businesses and uh, women owned businesses versus the federal government has it mandated to spend 5% of their federal budget, which is trillions on black owned businesses. So which goose are you going to chase? <laughs> you know, one is mandated. The other one is I'll do it when I'm in a bad situation or I'll do it when I get bad press or I'll do it when somebody exposes me then I'll play into it and I'll make a big promise and I'll deliver on five to 10% of it, which is what we saw happen after George Floyd. 
Yeah. And I mean, it, and it's interesting with regards to the government contracts, because yes, they may not necessarily seem as sexy or huge amounts of money, but it's the steadiness, right? So it's like- if But that is sexy. Money, that peace of mind is sexy. To know that that check is coming on time. Um, <laughs> the, the, the best thing right now is this right here, nobody owns a piece of that. I'm not looking for an investor. I'm just looking for our four assistants to go out and find me another multi-million dollar contract and just make the money. We have to realize what's sexy. It's like the difference between producing the number one song that sticks around for six to eight weeks versus making the jingle to McDonald's. I'm loving it. That's been around for 27 years. Some <laughs> things aren't always sexy. Some things are just, and that's our low hanging fruit is to understand the difference of business. We need to understand what makes money versus, you know, building something just because it seems cool like a lot of stuff we do right now melba as you know <laughs> it's it's not cool but if you sit there and read and you know the impact it's really making it becomes it becomes intriguing because i you know you're making a difference um i understand i understand more about prosecution than i ever wanted to but ever. Every, time, every time i design something now I want it to look a little bit better to make two more people that would ignore it, pick it up and read it to make one person that might have scrolled by. I was like, maybe I don't want to become a lawyer, reconsider it. And it might simply be because that report drew them in. Uh, so everything has a different purpose now, but I don't care about the next social platform. I, the, a lot of things are just not going to change it. A lot of people should take the time to realize the low hanging fruit is Get your paperwork together and go after some federal contracts and some government contracts because every billion dollar company I can think of has broke bread with the federal government in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Microsoft is Microsoft because every everybody in the federal government uses PCs. That part and team, whether you <laughs> yeah. want to or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as much as you might hate it, they still cutting that check. Yeah. So, and no hate for Microsoft Teams. I just really want y'all to like do the filters like you do on Zoom, so that you know, they got to get having better. a rough morning, skin looking popping. Just say. hey, but they they might be okay. They just they made that big investment in the Chat GPT, so they might have something to change their change their parameters. That that could be the game changer for them, right? That's it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> soon come. Soon come. Right. So talk to us a little bit about the marketing aspect. So you said that you're moving away from the tech aspect and moving more into marketing. Why is that? And then we can pivot into, you know, what marketing looks like these days and Twitter. Um, it's, it's, I'm not old, <laughs> you know, but I'm old enough to be mature enough to know that I got to start thinking about retirement because I'm in the service industry. I don't have a product that I can leave. You know, I have to, I, you know, as they say, I eat what I kill. So marketing um, is something I've been doing. If you, I've been marketing since I was a little kid, since I was hustling candy bars and, you know, convincing someone to let me cut their grass. And then I actually started a business when I was in high school. Um, and I've really had, I had my first LLC when I was 18, going on 19 years old, wow. when I started Footprints Unlimited, when I had my first graphic design company and clothing line company doing promotions and stuff. Um, but marketing has always been there, but working with cities, municipalities, and federal government has always been our forte. It's just a lot of people don't know it. We've worked with almost 15, 15 to 16 cities in all three in each County from Palm beach down to Dade County. 
So we've worked with almost 45 different cities, almost every major CRA in the Tri-County we've worked with. Uh, Miami Gardens is one of our biggest and long-term clients, Delray, Pompano Beach, Hollandale, Hollywood, uh, Westlake. So we've always done it. We just kind of fell into our innovation side, which was more so Dante allowing me to go crazy with it. I've always had a lot of these wild and crazy ideas. And so at the tech time, it was just right on time. You know, Felicia Hatcher, Derek Pearson, Brian Burkeen, Don Dixon. It was uh, Latoya Sturb. It was about five or six of us that were there when the only place you had to go was uh, the lab in Wynwood. And um, mm -hmm. it just happened on time. But I don't like I mean, frankly, the scene just doesn't fit for the parameters of what my retirement looks like anymore. Uh, a day certification, you have an opportunity to make nine figures and do a minimum amount of work just because you have your paperwork together and you're skilled and you have upfront money to where you can substantiate your company to wait for that first paycheck. But that's just where I feel I'm more talented. I can make a bigger impact. And also I don't want to be out there begging people for money, you know, uh, doing, doing marketing. It's a skill set. You know, I, I get a chance to get in front of people and I'm pitching off of skills, not off of them to like me. So, about 85 to 90, well, we're at now 93% of the contracts where we've actually had a chance to present or we've made it to the shortlist, we've won the contracts. So I'd rather be in a place where I'm truly judged off of my talent versus judge whether I fit into a bro culture just to get money, just to owe people money. I'd rather get the check and cash the check versus get the check and think I got to pay someone back. So it was a peace of mind. You know, we still do marketing in the tech scene to some degree, but I need to put away about a hundred million dollars so I can step away from this all. And a lot of people, and that's another thing, you know, in the tech scene, you have people that's going to be around you that's going to try to talk you down and make things small and make you think some things are unbelievable. In my, in certain, the rooms we're in now, telling someone you have an 8A certification and you want to make a hundred million dollars in 10 years. They're like, oh, OK, we can do that. So when, when do we need to meet? It's not a hesitation because right. that's how much money the government is spending. You're talking about infrastructure. You're talking about everything that makes everything in our planet operate. Those are the people you work with. Um, so like right now, we're doing a COVID-19 grant and that grant was for three point eight seven five million dollars. And that money had to be spent within nine months. Wow. <laughs> the money is there. It's just you. Uh, Deion Sanders said it. Greyhounds are motivated by the rabbit that they chase around the track. You have to wake up and decide what's your rabbit. Mm -hmm. uh, begging people to not be racist and discriminate with their money was no longer my rabbit. I just lost that fight. And, and that's the sad part because it is exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. Because just as a general premise, as a business owner, as you know, someone that's trying to go after and compete to get different contracts, you're perpetually pitching and it has to be that big smile and, oh my gosh, and this is why investing in my company is going to give you dividends. And again, it's a matter of, do you hit them at the right time? Is right. this after, you know, sort of like a, you know, situation like with Wells Fargo, where they got a lot of bad publicity because of how they were creating multiple accounts or, mm -hmm. you know, if any, any of the companies that were um, outed as being a toxic workplace or being hateful towards women or LGBTQ folks or black folks or whatever, you know, is that going to be the time that they invest in a black owned company? Or is it just because 
it's the right thing to do and this is a good match and that can be exhausting so and it had you know when it's mandated it's mandated and if it's like it's a rollover effect too if they fall short one year they amp it up the next year it's not like oh we fell short it's whatever and for these larger uh pwis and these larger institutions they're required to bring on minority businesses and sometimes to be honest and you know i like to expose some of the truth to people sometimes you don't do any work they know they have to have you on board and they just send you a check and you just might do administrative stuff but you're making administrative stuff for hundreds of thousands of dollars you're making real money um it's a very profitable situation versus like you said did i catch somebody at a good day do they feel empathetic not oh this is actually a good product this is actually a great idea and it was emotionally draining um a lot of people have noticed and me and you have talked about it i was in the gym to try to remove some of that stress but what i realized when i removed the stress my body reacted different i lost weight i got healthy i had a health scare that me and you know about i won't discuss here i had a health scare that went away that stress will tear you down and there's no money worth dying for um i don't care how you put it you know it's a, it's a lot of money out there but that kind of money begging for money is not worth dying for and also you got a lot of people that's building companies just to sell them versus i feel i can build something to either pass it on or if i cash out you know federal contracts are almost looked at like annuities when you think about investment because they're kind of they become your contract to lose it's once you get them you can keep them and you keep going so you go into it and you keep federal contracts for six or seven years and someone wants to buy your company out they're looking at your potential times five times seven that's a totally different buyout than what you get from projections of stocks when you own a tech company uh so a lot of business stuff just made it feel different and working truly working five days a week or only working three or four days a week because you can manage it because they don't work on saturdays and sundays some of them don't even work on fridays anymore <laughs> seriously and they're not trying to have five million meetings nah. you know they're like here are the deliverables boom 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 check it all off you know do the and that part that part you just said is the part i missed deliverables and data it's mm -hmm. not an emotional grab you prove what you're supposed to do you get it done you turn in a report they cut in checks that's all there's to it and so you know i'm not worried about oh did they see something i said on social media oh but I had also got to a point where I was like, why, why am I saying this? Because who's really listening? Mm -hmm. So I know that was one of the things we were supposed to discuss. And you know, some people have asked me when you're gonna bring the podcast back. And I might bring a podcast back in a more educational space because I do feel like there's we're missing the bag. Our people are missing the bag in a lot of ways because we do have our distrust with government, medicine, and things of that nature, but we can't be blind. You know, feel what you want to feel. Some conversations just need to happen offline. <laughs> Uh, right there's a difference between, <laughs> there's a difference between a whiskey talk versus a round table conversation there's a lot of things that i'll say around whiskey but when it comes to getting that bag i'm getting the bag so i can drink the better whiskey we just That's got awesome. to make better decisions <laughs> still got that bottle of duke and dame hey, hey. you know what i'm saying you got to do the things the right way and shout out to chima i think they just see that's another thing chima duke and dame they just got a uh, another uh offer so um they're, they're growing them boys they about to take off so i'm happy happy to be an investor in duke and dame with my fellow fraternity brother well just so y'all know duke and dame is a caramel flavored whiskey that is just that awesome. is black owned awesome i am not a whiskey person 
I have it. I have it at the house for company, <laughs> but I would always want to invest in companies that have, you know, marginalized folks at the helm, you know, and making sure that they're able to give a legacy and to inspire the next generation of young people to be like, you know what, like the McBride sisters, you can be a sommelier, you could be a winemaker, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, like Joy Spence, you can be a rum maker, a rum taster, you know, shout out to Appleton's, which got bought out by Campari, whole separate thing. Whole different options, a whole different conversation. Well, that's a whole different show, but anyway. Cash out, you cash out <laughs> when you have to cash out though. Exactly, exactly. But anyway, that's the shout out to, to Duke and Dame. So to pivot again for a second, let's talk a little bit about uh, branding and social media and just sort of building your brand. Now, mm -hmm. I know there's so many podcasts and articles about oh, top ways to build your brand. But what are some like practical things you think folks should consider if you're like, listen, I want to, you know, I want to improve my visibility. Like what, what are some things people should consider and what platforms are popping right now and folks should be focusing on? Twitter is tricky right now. I, I want to answer backwards. Uh, platforms right now are tricky. Um, Twitter is tricky uh meta as far as facebook still has better data and better outreach for older demographic instagram is becoming tricky as well better for products not for really brands it depends on what you're pushing and then of course once you get into TikTok and snapchat you're getting it's getting messy you're just messing with a younger demographic that's confused now this is what i, <laughs> I hate to say it they just are uh, <laughs> but for me when I think of branding, and it's so funny, um, I'll tell you this part off camera, but there's a particular person that I've seen changing some of their branding. And it's it's so funny to see it because I kept telling them to do this. So I would say your top four reasons or top four ways, just like medium four, simplify. You need a timeless brand. You need something that no matter what, when people see it, they can't really tell when it was made, but it's going to look good no matter what. Um, number two is pick your pick your targets and what i mean by targets is you should operate in quarters again four quarters uh four quarters in the season business quarters you know you have your first quarter second quarter third quarter and you close out with your fourth quarter which most people follow the actual fiscal year they follow the calendar year but you should only focus on about four things at a time if you get outside of that when you're trying to build your brand your brand is automatically going to become diluted uh number three is just going to be a consistency of messaging like right now, you don't see a lot of stuff from medium four because our clients don't check us for social media. You know, we have to send in 85 page RFPs, but they will go to our website and look at our portfolio. So a lot of our energy has went back into our website. Our clients are not going to come and see how cool our work is on Instagram and Facebook. They just won't do that. You know, they have people that go and they look at the website, they pull down graphics, they pull down our portfolio and they go to it. So you really got to figure out who is your audience and who are you trying to sell your product to? And the last and final thing is going to be just, um, I would say passion. You know, if you see something that you yourself don't love, uh, walk away from it. You know, just it's, if you don't love it, it's going to be hard for you to push it and get people to believe in it. And like we were talking about this yesterday as we were coming down the escalator and they had an art show at the Atlanta um they had an art show at atlanta between terminal a and terminal a, terminal a and terminal t at this african art show and i said to dante 
Now, I'm, I'm happy you're seeing it so I can see your face. But I said to Dante, what if the medium four logo became a fist? Right. What if it was about taking things back and grabbing things and holding on to things? And he was like, I could see that. He was like, I see it. It's like, but it could. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's abstract. It doesn't matter if you think, oh, well, the middle finger should be longer. But if the first thing, if I can say a fist and you think of four fingers coming at you, you don't know whether I'm grabbing, whether I'm punching, but I can still make you think this is a hand. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how a brand should work. A brand should be versatile. And this is one of our mantras for us. If it doesn't look good on a hat, it's probably not going to make a good logo. True. Because one of your most of your most recognizable logos are also logos that you see on hats. So the New York Yankees, you know, the uh, Chicago White Sox, uh, L.A. The Lakers, you know, uh, L.A. Dodgers. If you think you're right, Nike, Nike in general. When you think about your biggest brands, they look good on hats. They look good on T-shirts. If a logo doesn't look good on a hat or a T-shirt, it's probably not going to be a standout brand. But also all brands don't have to be visually standouts. You just have to be consistent in the work that you do which is like you, you know, you might have two views one show, you might have 350 the next show. Um, it's, it's a lot of noise outside. You have to be consistent. And one of the biggest things that we were talking about, we don't do as much digital stuff. We've gotten back into like exponential marketing. So right now we're doing, we have like a rap vehicle for one of our clients where the vehicle goes out and we treat it just like the old school radio remotes that they used to do back in the day. Oh my God. We do social remote. So we'll just pull out in the wrap truck, which now we can average that wrap truck sees about 10,000 to 20,000 eyes every time we go out just wow. because of traffic patterns. And then when we do the social, we'll post this is where we're at. People pull up on us. We get video content. We pass out stuff. So you have a generation I feel that's going to go back to we don't trust social media enough. We want to see it hands on. So I think you're going to get back into a lot more, especially now. I think people just want to be outside too, post COVID. Yeah. So I think you're going to get back into a lot more hands-on. I need to see it to believe it. So exponential marketing is going to be a real big thing. And it doesn't matter what you do. You just need to be in people's faces so they can put the product or the service with a person. Yeah. I mean, those are all good points, especially about simplifying and also the passion part, right? Because if you're talking about something you don't care about, you're not passionate about, but you're doing it because this is what you're supposed to do, or this is what your job requires, it comes through. That energy comes through and people aren't going to gravitate towards your post. But if it's coming from a place of authenticity, it's coming from a place of passion, it's coming from a place of expertise, that to me is what draws me in as a viewer and I would think draws in, you know, a lot of folks. You know, some people probably tune in for messiness too, you know. So they do, but, you know, our world is full of negativity. I mean, that's why we have so many crime shows, you know, SVU, Law and Order, everything is normally based around crime. That's just, but the passion is required, like you said, because you don't want to give that inconsistency of emotion. And some, you know, unfortunately, branding is not something where you can say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say something at all. You have to keep saying something or they will forget about you. Uh, this this is definitely a world where you have to be top in mind. So many people that have known me for decades. Oh, man, I forgot you do websites. Like, really? <laughs> like, out of all the things you could forget about <laughs> That's the one thing, you, but it's it, it, that's what they're saying. But what they're really trying to communicate to you is, I forgot what you do because I haven't seen you talk about it in a while. Mm. And I always tell people the McDonald's theory is, like, 
why do you think McDonald's still advertises Big Macs? Because in your mind, everybody knows McDonald's sells Big Mac. But McDonald's isn't advertising to the person that's already coming there to buy. They're advertising to the person that's hungry in the moment, the person that's an immigrant that just moved here for the first time, the seven-year-old that just started watching TV that's like, Mommy, I want to go try that Big Mac. You never really market to the customers you already have. You market to the, the customers you're trying to get or you're just reminding your customers you haven't had a Big Mac in a while. Maybe you should come have one. So that's how you have to think at marketing. And it's not always about the old people or the new. It's everything. It's the first timers. It's the newcomers. It's the I just had a breakup with my marketing agency. So I need someone new. You, you're staying top of mind. So. Get to the point where you almost become annoying, too. And I hate to say that, but that's what I have to tell some of my people. They're like, oh, but, you know, I don't want to post this again for the fourth time. Quit being arrogant. You are not that hot. Everybody did not see what you posted. Post it again. You know, it, when you post it too much is when 20 of your friends call you and they say, yo, I keep seeing this. I'm seeing it too often. Because normally those are the same friends that are scrolling by and they're not supporting you anyways. Like, you know, Tyler, the creator said it best when his album came out last year and he did this interview around August or something. And maybe Ju July, no, it was like July. And he was like, um, my album came out in December or January and I'm still promoting it today. Like it just came out today. Mm. And it's like the arrogance of people is I posted it once. Everybody should have saw it. I posted it once. You should be on it. You should be supporting it. He was like, I'm rich and I still post my stuff 10, 15 times a day because you don't know who got their first iPhone. You don't know who got their first, you know, Instagram account. You got to post like just quit. Passion also comes with being humble. Everybody doesn't know you. Everybody's going through something. Everybody. And I hate even saying this word. Everybody is busy. But it's not even that people are really that busy. It's people just have horrible time management. But otherwise, just don't be arrogant. You, you got to be humble. Just keep the stuff out there until people get tired of you. And if they get tired of you, they weren't supporting you in the first place. That's a fact. That's <laughs> a fact. So we're going to close out this episode with you sharing how folks can find you and get in touch and also learn more about your services. So, again, they can put you in the mix. The easiest way is Michael Hall TM on every platform. And that's for Michael Hall trademark. But Michael Hall TM will lead you from LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I think even YouTube. Uh, Michael Hall TM is everywhere. But medium4.com, I mean, unfortunately, right now, if you're not a, me a government client, you probably won't make that cut. But uh, we still like to work with small businesses that are actually making investments into themselves. But right now, we're heavy on design, we're heavy on brand, and we're doing a lot more videography work. And hopefully in 2024, we'll have a release of a couple of shorts. And we're also invested in the film hedge with John Garzier in Atlanta. So we have a $20 million production film happening right now at SCAD. So we're doing a lot of things. It's just uh, we're diversifying our portfolio. There you go. There you go. That's what's up. <laughs> Love to hear it. And okay. you said one last thing. We yeah. will be making a African rice whiskey. So I'm going to talk to you about that later. When we went to Malawi, they were showing us how they brewed and fermented rice to make their beer and to make their whiskey. So I'm working on the recipe for uh, a rice whiskey right now. That's almost like a sake, but deeper. Mm -hmm. I have questions. I need we'll to investigate and try this. 
Yes. Inquiring minds need to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. The goal is to retire with that, that government money and sit back on a pond in a lake somewhere drinking that whiskey. Yeah, I'm an ocean girl, but I'll come visit you by the lake, though. Me and the cowboy. You'll come. You know, cowboy love it. Cow cowboy love the catfish. He'll love it. <laughs> oh, I won't even tell you. Okay, random side note, folks. Me and the cowfish, I ate that thing once and literally it was like an actual cat in my stomach. It did not go up. So since then, I do not mess with catfish. You got to come to the country where you got some old fish grease and they cook it through where it's almost burnt. You can only eat catfish in certain places. So I could, I could, I can guarantee you, yes, you probably had a bad experience. <laughs> If you don't know how to clean it, if you don't fry it hard, it ain't something to fry soft. <laughs> you can hear it now when I'm talking about this. That's where that country twain come back. Yeah, you got to know where and where not to eat catfish. So if, first of all, if you didn't eat it in somebody's backyard with somebody missing a tooth or somebody grandma present, you shouldn't have had it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's where it went wrong. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's I was barely new to Florida. I didn't know. Oh, I'm no. Oh, no. Know. You can barely do it in Florida if you wasn't. You got to be north of Orlando. Or you got to be in New Orleans or Alabama if you want some good catfish. If you had catfish south of Orlando, you were guaranteed to get sick. I was in Broward. <laughs> you were guaranteed to get sick. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, now that everybody knows way more about my relationship with catfish than anybody I've ever wanted to know. I'm gonna, we're going to get you some good catfish. You got, all right. Catfish oh. and grits. Cheese grits. That's all it is. Catfish and cheese grits. See, cheese grits, that's my jam right there. On that bombshell, y'all. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining me on Mondays with Melba. Um, folks, just know that the website will be dropped in the comments. If you're listening on the podcast, it will be in the body of the description. Definitely check him out and check out his work. Mike, I appreciate you. Thank you for being my ride to die for Absolutely. so long, since 2020. And uh, yeah. Yeah. feels like a long time, but thank you for keeping up with the platform. And thanks for being a voice in the community. Uh, the, 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 the state lost an opportunity, but we all gained one of the most amazing humans. So thank you for sticking with it and doing the things you do. All right. Thank you, Mike. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Take good care. And I will see you next week for another episode. Bye. Peace.